welcome to the first real episode of the Fremdlauschen podcast, where you get to eavesdrop basically just on me talking to myself right now. But in the future, hopefully we'll be able to get back to that concept that I really wanted to realize. And I'll have my friends over here so you can listen to us talking to each other instead of just me. This might become a bit of a running theme with this podcast, because today I'm going to be talking to you about something I really don't know all that much about, the Super Bowl. Um, so I know basically what like the average American, below average American might know about the Super Bowl. I think that does put me above the average German though. So in this, it's kind of like, you know, when no one knows anything about football, the person who knows a little tiny bit is suddenly the expert. So here I am. The Super Bowl is significant because it's one of the most watched events in the world on television. So tonight when Patrick Mahomes and his AFC Kansas City Chiefs are playing against Tom Brady and his new team, the NFC Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you'll be watching this along with about 110 million Americans if you choose to stay up and watch it in Germany. The biggest human interest story going into the Super Bowl tonight is, of course, Tom Brady and his return to the Super Bowl with his new team in Tampa Bay after winning a record six Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots. He's had a lot of time to win those six rings because I looked it up and he is literally my age, which is astounding to me. Um, Giselle Bündchen must do a body good. Um, so tonight when you're you know, eating your chips, in front of the TV. Just remember, that is a 43-year-old man out there at the top of his sport. If you only watch football when you tune in for the Super Bowl every year in January or very early February like this year, you would probably think that we only play football in beautiful, sunny areas. That's not the case. We only play the Super Bowl in beautiful, sunny areas. From time to time, they'll... Um, talk about having the Super Bowl in, you know, a more traditional place like Green Bay or New York, and it is always considered a terrible idea because you are kind of dependent on the weather then. As luck would have it, Tampa Bay will make history tonight by being the first team to ever play a Super Bowl in their home stadium, located in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Tampa Bay is the body of water that Tampa and St. Petersburg are located on. That's located on the western coast of Florida, so the Gulf of Mexico side. It might also kind of be the German side because that's where Fort Myers is located. If you're looking for Miami, that would be on the other side, on the Atlantic side. Of course, it's a total shame that the home team playing in their own stadium can't have most of their fans there. Although honestly, most of their fans probably wouldn't be able to afford the tickets for the Super Bowl, which are always extremely expensive and really pretty far out of reach for the NFL has decided to allow 25,000 people to attend this game. But don't worry about the super spreader bowl because they're giving them hand sanitizers and masks. So, I mean, really, what could go wrong? The Kansas City Chiefs don't actually come from Kansas. They come from Kansas City, Missouri, um, although it is located on the border. Their mascot is thankfully not a Native American chief anymore, but instead a wolf. Also spielen heute Abend wohl die Freibeuter gegen die Wölfe. Now, anytime you speak to a politically minded person about the NFL, there are a lot of topics that you really just cannot ignore and just cannot accept. But I'm going to save the more controversial topics for a day when I'm in a less sunny mood. And then we will talk about concussion studies, the militarization of the NFL, blacklisting Colin Kaepernick, Deflategate, 
racist team names and mascots and the entire systemic racism within the NFL. We'll talk about Michael Vick and OJ Simpson, maybe, who really wants to talk about them. And if I really run out of topics, then I will tell you the horror story of when the Baltimore Colts moved to Indianapolis under the cloak of darkness, which is quite literally the boogeyman story that I was raised on from my family, which all um, comes from Baltimore. You may have noticed that the Super Bowl is always held somewhere with nice weather, a warm climate, or at least in a dome in case it does rain on you. The only example um, of an exception that I can think of is when they had the Super Bowl a few years ago in the New York City area, um, in the Meadowlands Arena, which is across the river in New Jersey. It's the home of the notoriously terrible New York Jets and the much better New York Giants. I mean, that's just statistics, that's not opinion. But if you have ever been to New York in late January, early February, you know that it can get pretty dicey there, it can get pretty cold. And um, it did that weekend or that whole week leading up to the Super Bowl. And just when the Super Bowl ended, eight inches of snow fell on the area. Eight inches is about 20 centimeters. Almost, I think, 25% of the flights back out of New York the next day were canceled. And so a lot of people were stranded in New York after going there to watch the Super Bowl. I mean, there are worse places to be stranded, but still. So I am being super forward and devil may care and referring to the Super Bowl as the Super Bowl. But if you're in the US, and I think here you even see it a little bit now, you'll notice that most companies or advertisements or signs or whatever promotions refer to it as the big game. They call it the big game because the NFL trademarked the term Super Bowl in the 1960s, and they will charge you if you want to use the words in any way. You have to pay for that privilege. They were also smart enough to go out and trademark the term Super Sunday. All the team's um, names and logos and uniforms are also trademarked. The NFL is really well known for aggressively protecting these trademarks and these terms. I mean, rightfully so, it belongs to them, but they are extremely litigious. Maybe that's a hard word. Maybe I'll explain hard words for my German audience. It means um, really quick and willing to take legal action. In German, it's Prozesszüchtig. Sorry, it's a very hard word for me to say. There's lots, there are, I think, three S's in a row in the middle of that word, Prozesszüchtig. Um, it's funny because it's a word I use quite a lot in English and I didn't even really know it in German. I don't know if that means that you are less litigious than we are as a society. Or maybe I just have not met the litigious people over here. But it's pretty easy to meet the NFL if you do something using their Super Bowl term. They've actually even been known to sue churches for advertising that they are having a Super Bowl party. They used to base whether it was considered a private or a public event on the size of the television. So I think it was like under 55 inches of TV would be considered a private function and then you could call it a Super Bowl. So if you invited five friends over and wrote invitations, you could write Super Bowl. But if your TV was more than 55 inches diagonal, then it was considered a public event and you couldn't use the term. I think that's really funny because it ended up not being important anymore because our TVs are so enormous in the US that people were starting to have TVs that were much bigger than that in their private homes. But hey, I am a very small business owner. With this podcast, 
I'm even a no business owner. <laughs> so um, I am going to go out on a limb and call it the Super Bowl. And if the NFL comes looking for me, I assume that all 10 of my listeners will come and support me and get me out of football jail. I don't know how many of you have actually watched a full football game from beginning to end, but the Super Bowl averages three and a half to four hours. And of that time, an average of 12 minutes is spent actually watching the guys play actual football. That is astounding to me. The rest of the time is spent waiting to watch people play football. Most Super Bowl parties that I've been to will have one group of kind of diehard football fans, sometimes even fans of the teams that are playing, who are really sitting there waiting for the 14 minutes of exciting action, while the rest of the the attendees are kind of watching football in the background, walking around, snacking, talking. It's really um, more of a background noise, especially for me. I always have to say that it's background noise between the national anthem and the halftime show. According to a surprising poll that I read this morning, 25% of Americans are still planning to go to a Super Bowl party or to host a Super Bowl party tonight, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Normally it's about 50% from what I can read, that go to Super Bowl parties. So yeah, we're not doing great there. Um, Saturday Night Live, which will probably be a future topic of this podcast, did a great sketch on this last night. You can find it on this SNL Saturday Night Live Instagram page about everybody kind of sitting around going well. But I don't really do much, so we're safe. Like I only go to work with millions of people and, and so on and so forth. Super Bowl Sunday is the second biggest eating day of the year for Americans, and you know we like to eat. Number one is obviously Thanksgiving, but Super Bowl Sunday is a close second, and there's kind of typical food that you have for the Super Bowl, kind of chili and ribs, a lot of dipping sauces like dips, um, chips, potato skins, nachos. I like a good spinach artichoke dip, and... um, (laughs) In Pennsylvania, we make cakes, like we decorate Super Bowl cakes. I don't know that that's that American or that widespread everywhere else, but I definitely have seen a lot of Super Bowl cakes in my life. If we are going to order in, we'll probably be ordering in pizza, but the number one food on Super Bowl Sunday in the United States is chicken wings. And over Super Bowl weekend, 1.4 billion chicken wings are eaten in the United States. That is insanity. And considering there are a lot of people who don't eat any at all, there are a lot of people eating a lot of chicken wings. The Super Bowl seems to get longer and longer and later and later every year. It used to be kind of like in the afternoons and now it doesn't even start until 7 p.m. on the East Coast. So a lot of people are really dragging at work on Monday or even take the day off because they know if they're up watching um, football and drinking beer until midnight that that Monday morning might be a little difficult. Incidentally, when we lived on the West Coast, that was great. The Super Bowl started at like 4 p.m., I think. We watched it, we ate and drank, and we still got to bed at a normal hour. It was awesome. One of the real traditions here among American expats in Germany is that it's usually um, American week at Aldi and at Lidl when the Super Bowl comes around. And it's kind of this mix of things that we buy and hoard all year and kind of, you know, keep on stock. 
And there are also a lot of things I have never once seen in the United States. Never once. For example, you used to not be able to get cranberry juice in Germany. So if you wanted to make Cosmopolitans or cranberry vodkas or not get a UTI, you had to stock up when Aldi had it. Now you can get it in a lot of stores all year round. But for every container of fried onions that taste amazing on your American green bean casserole, you will be walking by these like American, in air quotes, classics like blueberry juice, sweet pickles that are cut lengthwise for you to put on your burgers and hot dogs, I kid you not, in a jar. It's also a really big time for jelly beans. Um, I guess they don't really associate them with Easter like we do, they just associate them with America and so they sell them the week of the Super Bowl because you know, we all watch football and eat jelly beans, right? Of course, internationally, the NFL is really popular, right? But in the US, we are also very big fans of college football. I do have to say that my opinion on this is probably skewed because growing up in central Pennsylvania, I was really close to Penn State. Um, they play in Beaver Stadium in State College, Pennsylvania. There's literally not much around up there, but they have a stadium for people to come watch their football, their college football, that seats 110,000 people. 110,000, that's craziness. Uh, college football really rules in the Southeast of the United States. And you know, there are just more games on average to watch than there are NFL games. And a lot of people have kind of a local affinity for a team. So it's really popular in the US. A great mystery to me is um, what teams the Germans like. Um, if you live here, you will notice that they're very big fans of the Seattle Seahawks here in Germany. Um, my friend Simon might be able to tell me why. I know he's one. But they're really the most popular NFL team among Germans, followed by the Green Bay Packers, which is, you know, also like a nice traditional team, cheeseheads and everything, and the New England Patriots, which I'm assuming is because of their success in the past few years. Um, you know, everybody likes to support a winning team, right? If you attend a college football game, the halftime show will usually be a marching band or a drill team. You should really um, Google this or look it up on YouTube. There are really amazing marching bands in the US um, that do a really amazing field show while playing their instruments. It's really quite unique and uh, worth checking out. The Super Bowl also started out with these kinds of marching shows, but starting in the 80s, they started having pop acts come on to keep people interested and not have people kind of, you know, turn the channel during the halftime break. My first memory of one of these pop bands was New Kids on the Block when I was in that age demographic that I would be interested in that. But in 1993, the NFL paid so much money to get Michael Jackson to come and do a halftime show to show how young and hip they were. This kind of continued with these pop acts throughout the 90s until 2004 when Justin Timberlake exposed Janet Jackson's breast for what, half a second? And it wasn't, you couldn't see very much, really. And, you know, people went nuts and gave us Americans another reason to, to be called prudish and, you know, conservative. 
But this Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson thing was a huge deal with so many complaints coming in to the broadcasting authorities. And so after that, the NFL was like, oh, these pop acts are, you know, they are crazy. They are wild. They might almost show a little bit of skin on television. And so they started having these classic rock artists come in. So through the mid to late um, aughts, the, you know, 2000s, they started having Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen. And these were, you know, acts that my parents' generation would be interested in and kind of younger middle-aged people would also think are interesting, at least to stand around and watch. And then they brought out The Who in 2010. And that was kind of widely panned as being something not everybody was interested in. And they said, you know, maybe we've run out of these classic rock artists. Maybe we have to try out the young pop stars again. And so they rolled out some better acts, some worse acts, um, you know, Madonna, Beyonce, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, the Black Eyed Peas. Um, and they had Justin Timberlake back in, in 2018. And I have to say that, you know, the time between 20... 2018 and 2004, when all of this went down with Janet Jackson, really gave people a lot of time to think and to realize, wait, this isn't fair. It's not fair that Janet Jackson probably can't even walk into the stadium where the Super Bowl is being held. And they have Justin Timberlake back. And to add insult to injury, it was a terrible Justin Timberlake album and a really, yeah, like a really boring show. It was really bad. And, um, couldn't have happened to a better person. I know a lot of people were really Team Janet at that time and said he really should not have accepted that uh, that show, considering that he was the person who ripped open the clothing in 2004. Okay, my rant about sexism is over. Um, it might be interesting for you to know that they don't pay these halftime acts. They do pay their expenses, um, their flights and their hotels and whatever and that those huge stages that they make, but they do not compensate the artists themselves. And actually like five years ago, the NFL started to approach the management of these artists to see if maybe the artists would be willing to pay them so that they could be in the halftime show. Because traditionally concert tickets sell better, streaming rates go up after the halftime show. So there hasn't been any controversy with this year's pick of the weekend as the halftime artist. I mean, I guess if he goes out and gets naked, then there will be, <laughs> then it'll be like Janet Jackson. But as of now, nobody has really questioned that pick, but The weekend has come out and said, it's really um, crazy because being the halftime act is really a signal that you're the pulse of American music taste and that you know, you're know you what the people prefer and what they're looking for. And he has not been nominated for any Grammys this year. And he's like, you know, I've got all these number one songs. I've been asked to um, perform at the, the Super Bowl and I still can't get a nomination. It's just really been another sign that the Grammys are quite out of touch with what people are really listening to. The national anthem, which is sung before the game, obviously, is also a really big deal. The absolute standard for this is Whitney Houston from 1991, um, which was during the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. She came out in like a white tracksuit and just killed it. And I know that her version actually ended up being in the pop charts because it was just perfection. So if you have not heard that, you need to Google Whitney Houston, the national anthem, 1991 at the Super Bowl. 
This year, the national anthem is being sung by Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church. Jasmine is an R&B artist. Eric Church is a huge country music star. I think they're trying to really hammer home um, that, you know, we need unity by having a black woman sing with a white country star. It's always kind of interesting for us to see the direction that artists take when they sing the national anthem. Um, Whitney Houston's version was really kind of straightforward. I think um, Demi Lovato, when she sang last year, was also quite straightforward. But if you saw Gladys Knight a couple of years ago, she just went nuts. Like she added some lines and was riffing and doing runs. And it was just, I mean, it was her time to shine. But for the national anthem, sometimes that's um, considered a little disrespectful. And if you like gambling and placing bets, that's one of those fun things that you can bet on for the Super Bowl. You can bet on how long the national anthem will take to sing over or under a certain amount of time. Um, because that is something you can do with the song. You can change it from three quarters to four quarters, or you can um, slow it down, speed it up. Speeding it up is probably not a great idea, but, you, but a lot of artists slow it down. And because you have 110 million sets of eyes in America watching the Super Bowl on average, the advertisements have become almost as important as the game itself. I mean, if there's only 14 minutes of, of football, you might as well be watching the ads. In 2020, a 30-second Super Bowl ad would have cost a company $5.6 million. And a lot of these ads are really elaborate and you only see them once. They're only broadcast as part of the Super Bowl. When I was growing up, there were these, you know, these great advertisements that I can still remember really well from like Madonna for Pepsi or Michael Jackson, I think also for Pepsi. There was usually a huge Coke versus Pepsi um, mood in the air because each of them would bring out, you know, their best and greatest spokespeople. This year may be a bit of a disappointment this way because the heavy hitters, Coke and Pepsi, are sitting this year out and not showing any new ads. Budweiser, the beer company, is also not showing anything new this year, which is really a break with tradition. Budweiser has had these ads as long as I can remember, showing Clydesdale horses bringing the Budweiser to wherever. And in times of kind of tragedy or hardship in America, I remember after 9-11 that in 2002 then, during the Super Bowl, it was a very um, emotional and melancholy ad from um, Budweiser. This year, actually, Sam Adams, which is a different beer, um, like a really good, solid, mass-produced beer. If you're ever in the U.S., Sam Adams is really quite good. They are doing an ad where basically they're letting the Clydesdales run free through Boston, um, kind of as a wink to the fact that Budweiser is not doing an ad this year. And a lot of people who would normally be above being in advertisements or maybe just rich enough that they didn't need the paycheck are willing to do these Super Bowl ads. Um, this year, it's quite notable that Bruce Springsteen will be in an advertisement for Jeep. Um, he's really well known for never accepting money to be a spokesperson. And he also like would not license his music. I think born in the USA, he wouldn't license to be in advertisements. So the fact that he's being in an ad this year, I'm sure it's going to be one of those sentimental ads, is quite notable. Another um, pop culture thing that you might even have seen in other shows or movies 
is this I'm going to Disney World, where they say, what are you going to do now? I'm going to Disney World. That's um, something, there's always an ad from Disney after the Super Bowl where the MVP announces that he's going to Disney World and then he's like in the parade with Mickey Mouse and whatever. But you'll also hear it in other circumstances and other situations in the US where you go, so what are you going to do now? Oh yeah, I'm going to Disney World. I've, you know, I've done such a good job with this project. I can move on. So if you've made it this far, if you have listened to me talk about jelly beans at Aldi and Janet Jackson's nipples, I am now going to do what you came here for. I'm going to help you make money, lots of money. But the problem with betting on the Super Bowl for me personally is that I know nothing about football. Um, and so I'm quite lucky that in the US there are all kinds of fun bets that go along with the Super Bowl. They, you can bet on, for example, like what color the Gatorade will be that they dump on the winning coach, which ads will air in what order. Um, this year, there's, there's a bet where you can guess how many ads will show people wearing a mask or how many commercials will have dogs in them. Um, and so I am here to give you my predictions. Seriously, though, your guess is as good as mine. I'm going to say the Buccaneers are going to win 27 to 24. And I'm hoping that those are numbers that are actually possible in football. I'm, I think they are. Yes. 24 is def yes, they're both possible. Doing some additions of sixes and sevens and threes here in my head. So I'm going for the Buccaneers 27, the Chiefs 24. You heard it here first. I would put zero dollars on that if I were you because I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I am pretty sure the Gatorade is going to be orange. I think it's going to be orange. So thanks for joining me for this first episode of my podcast where I've now spoken nearly twice as long as the football players will actually be playing football tonight. And I've said the Super Bowl so many times in exactly those words that the NFL might come and get me. I'll be back soon with another topic. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I am Fremdlauschen on all the things. So I'm on Instagram with Fremdlauschen, Fremdlauschen on Twitter, and now Fremdlauschen at gmail.com. Um, since it's basically only my friends listening, you could also just text me, but maybe someday I'll have an audience. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.